Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You have heard it said, you shall not murder, the fifth commandment. You shall not commit adultery, the sixth commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, second commandment. No murdering, no extramarital affairs or sexual relationships before or outside of marriage, no use of God's name inappropriately. You know these commandments. They are straightforward. You can keep these commands of our Lord God fairly well, though the ways of this world are strong and they urge you otherwise. But partway into His Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus begins to teach His disciples about these commandments. He speaks words to His followers regarding anger, regarding lust, divorce, and use of oaths. Now some in their meditations upon these words of Jesus have wondered here if Jesus is challenging the commandments of old. You have heard that it was said, you shall not murder, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. You heard that it was said, you shall not swear falsely. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or by the earth. Why would the Son of God attack the very commands that He Himself gave as eternal God? God divided against Himself. It makes worse sense than Satan being divided against Himself, which the Lord Jesus would later say is a foolish notion. And so what is the Lord Jesus up to here with these words in His great sermon? Following after His Beatitudes, His words to His disciples that they are to stand out from the world as salt and as light, Jesus then begins to instruct them, to show them how that will be. Followers of Jesus who claim Him as Lord, you and I, as His people, as Christians, we are to be different from the rest of this world. We know the standard God has set. It is who He is. And we are to live up to those standards as best as we possibly can. Not out of fear of God, but because we as His people love Him and His Word. 
while we continue on in this world to sin, and we will fail to keep even these words of Jesus, they are not out of our reach as His people to observe. You and I as the people of God today are just like the people of God of old. From the Old Testament, words from God right before our Old Testament reading for today are these, and important for our context. For this commandment that I command you, God says, is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. But the Word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you can do it. Then the words from today's Old Testament text appear. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying His voice and holding fast to Him, for He is your life and your strength of days. It makes perfect sense. But now that very dominant Lutheran-trained voice inside your head is creaming out for a timeout. That is way too much law. That sounds like it is up to us, up to the sinner, to choose salvation instead of condemnation. It can seem as though here we are hearing that, God, that doing good and doing evil is up to us after all. And once again, context is oh so crucial. For the Israelites, hearing these words of God for the first time, as later recorded in Deuteronomy, they were all ready, the people of God. God had already made them so by His gracious work. He sent Moses to Pharaoh, demanded the Hebrews' release from captivity, from slavery, and ten atrocious plagues later, the Hebrew people were finally free. God then established them as His own people, bringing them through the Red Sea and drowning away their enemy once and for all in those waters. It is now after their redemption and their salvation from slavery that the people of God are receiving these words of God's instruction. They are being taught now what it is to be the true people of God in the midst of a world against Him, of brokenness, of sin, of following the devil. Likewise, you and me, especially the disciples of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus had already spoken to them the Beatitudes. Those words announced their status, their identity already as God's chosen ones. 
nothing they could do, could make them such, could make them God's chosen people. And add to that, it was Jesus who called His disciples to follow Him, not the other way around. He sought them out and made them to be His people. Well, you too have been made God's people, His chosen ones, the waters of holy baptism. You may not have chosen to be baptized as your parents brought you before the font at a young age as a baby. And yet, here you are today, willingly making that choice to continue on coming to God's house, to His church, to hear the word of the gospel, to be fed with the life-giving body and blood of Jesus. You could not do that apart from the Holy Spirit. You would not do that if you did not have faith given by the Spirit in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so these words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, they are not contradicting His commandments. Nor are they challenging the very doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, not a New Testament invention, by the way, but found all the way through the Scriptures. Rather, what the Lord Jesus is here doing for His people and for all people is building upon these wondrous, wondrous truths. And so as the redeemed children of God... <coughs> You are to be a cut above the rest. Not by your own doing, mind you, but by Jesus' doing and by His calling. And not to lord it over others. Not to display your righteousness before the world in a way that belittles others, but rather to bring glory further to our Heavenly Father. And so here Jesus is showing exactly what that looks like. As Christians, God's people, salt and light in this world, we are not to hold anger in our hearts toward anyone, especially fellow Christians. We are not to look at anyone in a sinful way. We're not to let our God-given marriages end in divorce. We are not to say more than we need to say, nor to use God's name to make our point. Jesus dives us deeper into the meaning of God's Word. He uncovers what true perfection, godly righteousness looks like. And reflecting on this Word of Jesus, you and I know quite well that such perfection is not us. We may be able to keep the commandments of God according to their surface meaning, but it is rather impossible for us to keep all of these commandments in all of their meanings, as God made us to do, intended His creation to do. And as you and I reflect upon these words, upon these commandments of God, as Luther advises us to do, and you consider then yourself according to the Ten Commandments, your vocations, you and I find that we daily sin 
much. You cannot free yourselves from your sinful condition. You and I are lost. We are condemned sinners. And the only way possible for our salvation is to be given a new identity. And that is what Jesus has given you. In baptism, He has given you a brand new name. He has given you His name. The name that is above every name. And so you now bear a new identity, that who is the child of God, precious in His sight, and all because of Jesus, who has kept all of God's commands perfectly, wholly, without fail. And one little iota or dot. He did what you and I can never do in our sin. And His blood shed upon the tree of the cross was the paying price for all your sin. His death upon that cross in your stead has guaranteed you will not die forevermore, but rather live forever in His kingdom. And more fully understanding God's commands, His instruction, His law to us, makes us even more aware of our sinfulness, and thus our need for Jesus. For as sinners, God's law drives us always to the cross, always to Jesus, our Savior from sin, our Redeemer from death, and our great giver of eternal life. Thanks be to God. Amen. The peace that does pass all of our human understandings, guard and keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.